0: You're listening to The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together, so let's get to it. This week's topic is the sin of limping. Hey, Dell, how's it going?
1: Fantastic. How are you doing, BJ?
0: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So we want to talk about the sin of limping today, huh?
1: Yes, and, and it is quite the sin. It is a sin. It ranks right up there with being a lawyer.
0: <laughs> yes, but sometimes it is warranted. <laughs> so sometimes it is worth limping. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what those times are. It's few and far between.
1: Wow. Right. Well, I, why why people it? I don't know. I, I think that when we look at that, you know, I think that in some higher end games, if you're Matt Berkey or you're somebody who's playing in high stakes games with Highly skilled and highly learned players, there might be a need for a limping strategy. Ninety-nine percent of us are not Matt Berkey. Ninety-nine percent of us are not playing in them games. Ninety-nine percent of us are playing in low stakes games, and in those games, there's no need for a limping strategy. There really isn't.
0: So last week I played, and remember, I did some kind of we called it poker yeah. anthropology, and I tracked one hundred hands. We were seven max, one three. And people limped, either open limped or over limped between 21 and 28% of the time. I over limped once. And that was with pocket sixes trying to set mine because I was getting the right price. There was enough effective stacks behind. I didn't hit my set, so I bailed. Was that the appropriate time to limp? Or should I have even open raised there? Like, no, are we saying it makes no sense?
1: To that, limp? That's that's absolutely definitely not the time to limp. It's not because what you did was underrealize the value of your pair of sixes. You un- underrealized the equity and therefore the value of your sixes. And and good players always want to overrealize their equity. <laughs> they don't want to be underrealizing their equity. So no, because how many people limped after you in that hand?
0: Probably, I think we went 4 away. Right. So you went four away.
1: So what is your plan to win that hand post-flop if you don't hit a set and you don't have one? You already said you didn't hit your set, so you bail, right? Set it or
0: forget it. Ron Popeil strategy.
1: Yeah. How about raising pre-flop so that you go to post-flop with an uncapped range, and then you can over-realize the equity of your pair. You can over-realize the equity of your entire range.
0: So I like that. I mean, I thought it was amazing that I only limped once in 100 hands. And the average player at this 1-3 table limped between 21 and 28% of the time. And honestly, you know what? So I crunched the numbers afterwards because you know you and I had talked shortly after that session and it was even higher than that. When I was looking at 21 to 28% of the time, it was of opportunities someone had to limp. There were a lot of hands. There were something like 31 out of 100 hands where the first action was an open raise. So after that, no one could limp. So really there were 69 out of hundred hands where someone had the opportunity to either open limp or over limp. And of those times it happened. So that's closer to like 30 to 35 or 40%.
1: Yeah, that's insane. Just, uh...
0: And the crazy part is I, I had no idea people were limping that often. When you think about what their ranges are, okay, they're probably gonna open with the top 5% of their ranges. So take those right out. You know, they never have aces, kings, ace, king suited, maybe, maybe they do. But for the most part, you could take those out of the range. So 35% of hands, they're limping that don't include aces, kings, or ace king.
1: That's crazy wide. It's insane. Yeah, but here's the thing, all right? You're going to come across some players that will limp all their hands. And when they do, it's not even like you say, well, we got to be careful. They're limping aces or kings. No, all all you do, all they did was guarantee that they're going to under-realize their equity. They guarantee that they're not going to maximize value with those hands. So So you have all these hands that they're limping with that have value as raises, some of them, and some of them just are better off being thrown in the muck. Why would they limp with them? They want a cheap flop. They're playing bingo. They're not playing poker. They don't have a post-flop strategy to win with that hand other than I'm going to hit a hand. And if they don't hit a hand, there's no strategy there. They take a hand that could have better value and devalue it by limp. I mean, that this is the biggest reason not to limp. You devalue your hands. You make it harder to win. How easy is it to win? I mean, you like, first of all, everybody listening, this is our first podcast and everybody listening, they have no idea how good of a player you are. I do. I've played against you. How easy it is to win when you're only playing against one opponent. It's much easier. So yeah, to me, like you started out, is there ever a good time to limp? Very, very few. <laughs> you know, there's not very yeah. many. Yeah, it's so what are the better options?
0: So, well, there are definitely better options to open raise or three bet. So a little story. Yesterday I was playing and the guy to my left literally said, okay, now I was playing 1-3. I was waiting for a 2-5 table to open. So I was at 1-3. The guy to my left literally said, I'm limping because I want to see a flop. Like he said that out loud. Yeah. Does, he not, does he not know that people are paying attention? Most likely people are not paying attention, but I was. And I was able to take advantage of that. Like as soon as he limped, I knew he just wanted to play. Yeah, he's got like no post-flop strategy. So of course I, I raise and I just punish him relentlessly until my 2-5 table was called. But that was so much fun. <laughs> The fact that someone would openly say that out
1: loud at a poker table—people give away so much information—it's—it's it's right. ridiculous. So I want to tell a little story. I, I went and played poker with my father the last couple of Fridays, and my father is my father is a typical one-two player. Um, he does not—he hasn't played cash in anything other than home games. So taking him into a casino, it's a little—it's new to him, and uh, he's hard of hearing. And there's times that he forgets to put out his big blind and. Um, his hand shakes when he goes to make a bet because he's nervous because he hasn't done a lot and I want to talk about the difference between the two times he played the first time he played he kept limping and I kept telling him stop doing that And he kept limping and then he'd buy back in for 50 big blinds and he'd keep limping hoping to hit that flop so that he could score and, and he left there down $400 that's not a lot of money for a lot of poker players but for my father that's quite a bit and So we had some talks about it in between, and I explained to him why he doesn't want to limp and all this. And So he goes back this Friday with me, and he's playing, and he ended up leaving up $175. And the only difference, he stopped limping. (laughs) The only difference between the two times is he stopped limping, and what he started doing was raising or folding. And the funny part is, people were getting annoyed because he was raising (laughs) <laughs> you know, they all want to see that cheap flop and that's fine. Let them be annoyed. They're annoyed because they want to play bingo. That's not poker. If you want to play bingo with cards, that's fine, but I'm going to punish you for it. I'm going to take your money. I think that and sure, that's a small sample size. There's going to be people who say, oh, that doesn't mean anything. It's a small sample. Size. Well, they're right. Except that the second time that he he won that $175, he wouldn't have won $175 if all he was doing was limping. He may have won some money, but it wouldn't have been $175. He have lost a lot of money limping, limping, limping it away. Who do we make the most money against playing poker? Loose passive players. I Who guess the-
0: I was I was thinking that was like a loaded question. Like where well, are you where
1: are you trying? Yeah, to? loose loose passive players, but th- those are limpers. That's the exact definition of a limper, a loose passive player. You know, they're not raising, and if they do raise, what do we know? You know, we know they got a hand because they're limping everything. You know, not everything obviously, but they're limping everything but their strongest hand. And if they start making a move, we know we can we can get out of there and we save money. And if they're not making a move, we know that we can put them to the test over and over and over again. And they just keep hemorrhaging money.
0: So people limp because they want to see cheap flops. Why do you think they still stay in the hand after the flop? For example, last week I was playing and standard table of limpers, the one that I was doing the poker anthropology on. You know, mm-hmm. And a couple limps in front of me and I have king, queen suited. So I raised, since I had like two or three limpers ahead of me, I made it like 20 or 25 at a one, three table. They all get annoyed by the high sizes of the raise, but they feel sticky. they like, I limped. I paid to see a flop. I'm already in for $3. I got three limpers. This guy bets 25. So now there's like, you know, 28, 30, like 34 bucks in the pot. I might as well stay in. So one guy calls and the flop is like king, king, six. Turns out he's got King Deuce and I got King Queen. And he was surprised that I showed up to the hand with King Queen. He was genuinely disappointed that his King Deuce lost. And I'm thinking you never should have played King Deuce to begin with. But he limped. And then once he limped and you had a few more callers, and then I raised and there was enough dead money in, I guess he thought he was getting the right price. Yeah. But he'll never, he'll never realize his equity. Like you were talking about, you know, you're not gonna overrealize your equity with King Deuce.
1: No, here's the thing. I I think that you become psychologically attached to the pot. You wanted to play. That's why you limped, right? You wanted to play, not you specifically, BJ, but as as a person, you're sitting at the table, you wanted to play. So you invested $2 in that pot. Or in, in one, three, three dollars in that pot. And then it comes back around you because some guy just raised. Well, you just put money in. How can you fold? Well, you could fold because it's the smart thing to do. You probably should have folded before you even got that far. But what happens is people become psychologically attached.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the concept of being psychologically attached. I just thought of the corollary to physics of like inertia. It's easy to not enter a pot if you have junk and you just fold. Okay. I'm not in the pot to begin with. It gets around to me. It's easy for me to stay out of the pot. If I have junk, if I put money in the pot, now it gets back to me. And someone raises you want to stay in. And I've thought about, I had a hard time with this last year. I think even earlier this year, kind of with like all the COVID stuff I was playing online. And one of my biggest leaks was calling too many three bets because I had already open raised. I was already in the pot. So my inertia was to stay in the pot. I think it's the same thing with, with the limpers. Like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's you're socially attached to it. You're psychologically attached, I should say. Once you put money in, even though there's that sunk cost fallacy where you know, throwing good money after bad is just a dumb decision, it's a hard fallacy to not fall into.
1: Yeah, I think that there's, there's always this notion that any two cards are alive. Any two cards can win. And I've already put money in. And we, and I'm gonna stress we because I've done this. Let let let's not pretend this is just other poker players that do this. I mean, you just admitted you do it when you when you open and somebody three bets you. Well, I'll admit this. It's like we tell ourselves some line of BS that allows us to continue. He's probably just trying to steal the the money. So I, I go in this and if I hit a king, I've got a B. Maybe but maybe he's doing it with ace king and you're dominating. And then he sees those three kings. Well, he can't have a king. Yes, he can. There's one more king in the deck. And any king he can have is better than yours. So we feed ourselves this line of BS that allows us to do things that are not plus EV. And, and as poker players, that's really, that that is literally the whole goal of the game. Plus EV decision. Make more plus EV decisions than our opponent. It's not that complicated. You know, we all go through all these things where we, we make the game so much more complicated than it is, but it's really is this a plus EV decision? No, don't do it. <laughs> you know, And it really is. That's one of those things. It, this is not a new concept. Like this is our first podcast and, and why this topic? It's not like it's a new concept. It's not like everybody doesn't already know this, but yet everybody's still doing it 30 plus percent of the time.
0: It was crazy 30- when I saw that. I had <laughs> Conceptually, I knew that people limped more often than I thought, but I'm thinking, you know, 10, 15%. And then I crunched the numbers and it's like 21 to 28%. But then I realized, hold on there, 31% of the time, no one could even limp because someone open raised first action. So now we're looking at, okay, 21 hands out of 69, this person's limping. And almost all those times that person folds either like post flop because they miss or it gets around to me and I open raise large and they fold. So 21 times out of a hundred, they throw $3 away, just flush it down the toilet. That's insane. That's insane. I mean, Uh, at a uh, 1 3 game, that's 20 big blinds. That's $69. 20
1: big blinds. It's $69. $69. Oh, that's not a lot. (laughs) Hey, I can buy a lot of Starbucks with $69.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If you're playing 1 3 and the average benchmark for excellent play is 10 big blinds an hour. Mm -hmm. that's 30 bucks an hour. $69 that you threw away in the blinds is 10 big blinds per hour over more than two hours. That's an insane increase to anybody's win rate. You could dramatically increase your basic win rate like your father did by doing nothing other than stop limping. It's not that hard. Maybe that's why this was our first podcast because we're thinking, what's the easiest topic we could cover and not really screw it up?
1: (laughs) Don't limp people, just don't limp. Yeah, it's 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 pretty obvious, pretty easy, right? You know, don't limp. But yeah. guess what? The funniest part of this is everybody who ever starts to do this, you know, is like, well, don't you think that if the player pool gets better, that you'll have a harder time making money? No, because people are going to listen to this, and then they're going to go to the next game and they're going to limp. And I hope that's not true. I hope everybody that listens to this takes the lesson: don't limp, don't limp. Hey, but I got a I got a small pair. I I don't want to raise it. Yes, you do. You either want to raise it or fold it. <laughs> you know. I think that we've pretty much uh, done the limping part.
0: <laughs> you know what? So there are several other cardinal sins to poker that I'm sure we can cover in future episodes. And we have a long list of things yes. that we can cover. So yeah, this is a pretty easy topic. Is there anything else you want to share about limping or can we call it an episode?
1: I think we can almost call it an episode. I think that if you've gotten this far, uh, you might as well know who we are. Um, I'm Dell Hamilton. Dell Hamilton, I'm good boy Otis online. I've been playing poker for a few years. I really don't know how long, but I've actually been taking the game serious for about three years, and uh, I'm probably better at studying in theory than I am of actual application. So I'll talk like I know more than I actually apply at the table, and uh, that's who I am. And who
0: are you? All right. I'm BJ Marshall. Online, my handle is Dr. Origami because I have an advanced degree in folding. The screen name reminds me that I should fold more often than I do. So it's a good shot. I've been playing poker for about seven or eight years. I've been playing seriously for maybe four. And I found School of Cards maybe three or two and a half years ago and started studying with them. And it's really up-leveled my game dramatically. I'm still a student of the game. Uh, that's, that's why we say it's a podcast you know, for students, by students. We are by no means experts, although even though I'm not an expert, I've made enough money to pay for some fun stuff. So it's enjoyable. I love the hobby. It's a mental, emotional, psychological challenge. I love the social aspect of it. I love the fact that now, Maryland Live, they've knocked down the plexiglass partitions from COVID. So now you can actually banter with people. It's it's a beautiful thing
1: yeah king new hampshire near me has they as of june 1st no mass required
0: we're getting um, back to normal poker
1: but we never had partitions there so
0: <laughs> oh really okay well wow.
1: we you know we're all gonna die <laughs>
0: anyway. well you know we are i mean ultimately no one gets through this life alive that's a nice dark topic to end on so sin of limping you're all going to die like yeah. this poker thing is just one existential crisis after another
1: all right so thank you everybody for uh listening yeah all right thanks a lot bj
0: thank you thank you until next week this is the blind stealing the blinds like what you heard head over to anchor.fm slash the blind stealing the blind to continue the conversation and join us on the socials while you're there you can also support the show one blind per month is all we ask